Hey everybody, welcome to the Orange and Brown Talk podcast on a Tuesday, a Hey Mary Kay edition of the podcast. Dan Lobby with Mary Kay Cabot. These questions from our football insider subscribers, cleveland.com slash browns, the blue banner at the top of the page to get information on that and get involved. Uh, Mary Kay, let's get right to it. Obviously, Ken Dorsey on the top of everyone's minds. So let's start with this question from Tom Bays in Charlotte, North Carolina. Hey Mary Kay, what things will Ken Dorsey do differently to make the offense more dynamic and productive. You know, I think one of the things that they're looking at is the fact that he is well-versed in all things offense and he's run the spread. He's run RPOs before. He really has a handle on those kinds of things. So in addition to the classic drop back game, he can do all of those other things. And I think that's what they were looking for. Fresh ideas, new ideas, uh, you know, just a little bit more of a comprehensive way uh, to call a game or to run an offense. We don't even know yet if he's going to be calling the plays, but in the planning meetings, he will be able to bring some more of those things to the table. Yeah. And that, you know, we talked, we talked about it on our pod on Monday too, that, that having worked with mobile quarterbacks, right? Cam Newton, Josh Allen, guys that can make plays with their legs and be dynamic with their legs. That's something that Kevin hasn't always had. Now that doesn't mean he doesn't know how to do it, but just to have somebody who's worked with a quarterback like that and understands maybe some different things you can do and, and maybe can't do and how to get a guy to protect himself or talk a guy into protecting himself a little more. Some of those things too, I think the quarterback run game is something they really wanted to expand last season, but they just didn't get the chance to with the injuries. And I think he's going to help on that front too. Yeah, I really do think he's going to help on that front because I mean, he has spent the bulk of his career really for most of his career. He has either coached Cam Newton or Josh Allen. Now, as we did mention, these are two big guys that could have played defense if they wanted to. Uh, these are guys that are that will run through you and over you, not just at you. Uh, you know, these are enormous human beings that you know that really uh, just bring a whole different element to the table. But Deshaun Watson is a big, you know, is a pretty big guy in his own right. Uh, so they'll have to see, you know, how much of that translates and carries over. But for sure, Ken Dorsey has had plenty of experience with dual threat quarterbacks who are willing to, you know, sacrifice their bodies and make these off schedule plays and run around. And then once again, run the RPOs and run, you know, again, off schedule plays, run designed runs and you name it. He can do all of that. And another thing you mentioned kind of in that initial answer was some of the more spread concepts. So Buffalo, um, you know, Buffalo, they've had good tight ends and, and decent running backs, but they've, They've been a, a receiver-heavy offense. It starts with Stefan Diggs, but they've had other guys as well, a lot of 11 personnel, uh, things like that. So I, I just think he comes from he comes from a different background, but it's not like incompatible with what Kevin does. I think there's probably some similarities there too between the two of them, but just kind of bringing in a, a different perspective and a fresh perspective to what Kevin wants to run. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think Kevin understands that, uh, you know, that he does, you know, how many times have we talked about him being open to growth and a growth mindset coach? We've been talking about that since the day uh, that he showed up. And I've always gotten that, you know, just from the, almost from the the Jesuit way of life, you know, that he comes from, uh, you know, that's one of their basic tenets is that growth mindset. And, I think that he just wanted to have somebody that thinks differently than him on the staff, somebody that has just different thoughts and ideas on how a quarterback can get the job done. 
And I think that's what you're going to find from Ken Dorsey. And that's what they're really going to welcome from him. Okay, so let's get to this Dorsey question, um, because this has to do a little bit with the decision and sort of what his role is going to be. Doward Williamson from Sacramento, California. Hey, Mary Kay, can someone explain how Ken Dorsey is an upgrade? And will Dorsey be the OC in name only? And what I thought was interesting about this question is I don't know if I guess I don't know if upgrade is the right word. I don't I don't know that Alex Van Pelt got fired because of performance or got let go because of performance necessarily. I just think they wanted a change. Am I, am I misreading that? No, you're right about that. I mean, the way that you can confirm that is by the fact that they worked really hard to see if they could keep Alex Van Pelt on the staff somehow. I don't know what he would have been. I don't know if they would have made him quarterbacks coach with, you know, assistant head coach type of thing or, senior offense. I don't know what the plan would have been for that, but the fact that they wanted to keep him tells you that, you know, he really didn't get just outright fired. They didn't hate the job that he did, but they are looking for new, fresh ideas, new philosophy, new way of doing things. And I think when you, when you talk about more of the spread concepts and the RPO concepts, I think that's what they're talking about. And you know, when you mentioned the growth mindset, right? Sometimes, sometimes stability is great. Obviously you like stability, you like knowing what you have. Sometimes it's not always great. Like sometimes it can get a little stagnant and you are just seeing the same people every day for four years. And it's like, okay, we, we keep talking about the same ideas and the same philosophies. And so to maybe bring in some new blood there, you know, and maybe Alex needed a change of scene of scenery too. I don't know, but just getting in some, some fresh, like you, like you said, fresh ideas, a new face, a guy that hasn't been coming to work in that building every day for four years and knows everybody's names and, uh, you know, kind of has to in- ingratiate himself a little bit. I, I don't know. I think that's a good thing. That's sort of how you move forward sometimes. Yeah, I just have to wonder, you know, I mean, Deshaun Watson has a lot of influence over the things that are going on and taking place and the decisions that are being made either directly or indirectly. Now, he's not necessarily one to go ask for what he wants, although he did that this week uh, or last week in asking for T Higgins, right? I mean, he didn't, you know, when he put his good word in for DeAndre Hopkins, he made it clear that's up to AB if he wants to go get him. I'd love to have him, would love to have him here, but I'm not going to clamor for him. He clamored for T Higgins, which I thought was interesting. But um, in terms of the offensive coordinator, I would just have to think that there had to be some thought that Deshaun Watson needed another voice in his ear, that he needed somebody else that he needed to talk to that maybe spoke the same language as him in some way, or maybe had some kind of, um, you know, dual threat background himself in, you know, whether it was coaching or whatnot. So I I think that's basically what it was. I think that it was um, everything is geared this year towards maximizing the abilities and the talents of Deshaun Watson and making that he's making sure that he's absolutely comfortable and happy with everything. Yeah. And then you can just tell through all these hires, everything has been so quarterback focused. We even mentioned Tommy Reese coming on board as the tight ends coach. Even that feels quarterback focused, a guy who played quarterback and was an OC at Alabama and other has been a quarterbacks coach. Like all of this is all very quarterback centric and and you can feel that shift starting to happen in, in that building. Um, so speaking of that, and we touched on this a little bit on Monday, but 
How do you think they will approach quarterbacks, Coach? Will this be sort of how they've done it in the past where they haven't had one? Uh, will Dorsey end up with that dual role of OC quarterbacks coach? Could it be some? I mean, you had mentioned Ashton Grant as a possibility on our on our Monday pod. Is there some, you know, eventually they'll let us know all the reshuffling of the of the quarter of the offensive coaching positions. But is there how do you think they'll handle that position specifically? Well, you know, sometimes you don't want to have too many cooks in the kitchen, right? So maybe that's why at this moment in time, they don't have a plan to hire another quarterback's coach or to give Ken Dorsey the added title. Now, will it end up that way? We don't know. Maybe they want to get everybody in the building, see how it shakes out, see how it works out. But as I mentioned before, and you just brought up, uh, they do have their assistant quarterback's coach, Ashton Grant. Deshaun really likes him a lot, uh, really enjoys working with him. So maybe they're comfortable with, you know, leaving him in that role and then bringing in Ken and having Kevin. And they like that mix of people. Um, Or the other way they could go about it is to promote Ashton Grant. That's another opportunity for them there. Um, So we're not exactly sure how it's going to shake out yet. I would guess that at some point next week, we're going to have an opportunity to talk to Ken Dorsey. We'll have a chance to talk to Kevin Stefanski about what his plans are for his offensive staff, which has been completely overhauled, by the way. I mean, completely overhauled. There's right. I mean, Bill Callahan is still in his role, but, you know, pretty much everything else that's important has been changed. And so, you know, I'm anxious and I know you are anxious to hear from Kevin Stefanski about, you know, what his thoughts, plans and hopes are for this crew. Yeah, right. New OC, new running back coach, um, maybe a new play caller, new tight ends mm-hmm. coach. I mean, there's mm-hmm. they've, they've really changed a, a lot of that. The really key positions on that staff. Um, it, it'll be interesting to hear the thinking behind that. Now, you touched on a name, T. Higgins, and that brings us to this question from Tyson from New Braunfels. Dear Mary Kay. He doesn't say Tyson never says, hey, Mary Kay. He says, dear Mary Kay, Uh, dear MKC, in addition to wanting to know who would call plays, which we sort of touched on a little, I think the Browns need a major upgrade at wide receiver. Are there any wide receivers similar to Amari Cooper on the trade market? And what free agent do you like at the wide receiver position? You know, I do like T Higgins. I do. I mean, he's young. He's productive. Uh, I think he would mesh really well with Deshaun Watson. I think he's got you know, potentially he's got pro bowls in his future. Um, You know, he was kind of banged up this year, but normally he averages, you know, like 900 yards per season, um, you know, five, six touchdowns, something like that. So, you know, I think he's exactly the kind of guy that you need at your number two. Somebody that is going to go out there and get that 1000 yards for you and catch that five touchdown passes for you. And um, so I think T brings that to the table. But there are a few others that I think are intriguing. Uh, Calvin Ridley, I know the Browns have had him on their radar in the past. He played for the Jaguars last season after sitting out the previous season on that gambling suspension, started his career, former first-round pick out of Alabama, started his career with the Falcons and spent most of his career there you know, then had the year off and then was really pretty darn productive with the Jaguars last year, thousand yard receiver and whatnot. So, you know, he's a name that, that I would be very intrigued with. Um, I don't know. I mean, are, are the Bucks going to let 
Mike Evans get away? I mean, that would be really something because uh, Baker Mayfield would not have been Baker Mayfield without Mike Evans this year. You know, he was that guy that puts you over the top into the playoffs. I mean, he, that's how good he is that, you know, he is the brought, you know, he is the Bucks version of Amari Cooper, somebody that is just going to make those highlight reel catches. And uh, yeah, so he's out there. Uh, you know, he's a little bit older, but you know, I mean, I don't think you can have too many good weapons. And I for sure believe that they need one more, at least one more Pro Bowl caliber receiver. And those are some of the names that I think fit the bill. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I've got a list up here on Spotrack, too. And Mike Evans' name stood out. Um, Curtis Samuel, if, if Washington let him go, would, would be really interesting. There is a part of me that wonders... Like if T Higgins ends up being the best wide receiver on the market, you might be looking at a guy who's going to get, I mean, Spotrack's market value for him is 18 million. You might be looking at a guy that gets over 20 million a year. And I do wonder if that gets a little rich for the Browns blood, but he is exactly the type of free agent that you want to sign. Second contract, Mm -hmm. just entering his prime, you know, has shown he can be, he, I mean, he can come here and be the number two receiver again, if he's willing to do that behind Amari Cooper um, and eventually take over that number one role. So he kind of fits a lot of those boxes. Like when you do want to go spend big money, I just wonder if his price tag, I mean, if we're talking 20 plus million a year for the guy, if that ends up being a little too steep for the Browns. It could. um, And it depends largely on what happens with Amari Cooper's contract. Amari has a cap charge of $24 million next year. And Dan, you're in the middle of a, a contract series. So you, you're writing about all this stuff right now. Um, but Amari has a cap charge of $24 million. And we talked about this the other day. If you, you know, if you make him a June 1st trade or cut, um, then, you know, the Browns can save $20 million. So it, it behooves everyone uh, to lower that cap number. And I do believe they'll try to do that. They've got to lower his number. They've got to lower Amari's number. They'll probably try to lower Miles's number and maybe some others. I mean, they've got some big paydays coming up and they have to do some creative financing. But if they can do that with a number of those guys and if they can find a way to keep Amari at the right price, um, then you can afford a guy like T. Higgins. You can afford it. You know, you, maybe you put some void years on the end of it. You spread it out a little bit and um, and you can add a guy like that. And the Browns have prided themselves on being able to ma- manipulate their cap in such a way that they can pretty much re-sign whoever they want to or sign whoever they want to. Yeah, I mean, they are going to find the money cap-wise. Um, you know, Deshaun's contract, Amari's contract, Chubb's contract, right? They got to redo that. Um, there, there's a lot of ways that they're going to be able to find money. It just kind of comes down to... You know, are they are they willing to give someone twenty million in free agency? Or the other thing is, do they kind of do what they did last year, and that's go identify an, a player, whether he's on his rookie deal or a second deal, and go make a trade for somebody if they become available, sort of like Amari became available, right? That's how we've seen them upgrade this position. Amari became available, they went and got him. Um, Elijah Moore became available, they went and got him. So I want, I almost wonder if that's kind of what people should be watching for is like, yes, we know the names that'll be out there in free agency, but he used that second round pick or, Hey, you have a first round pick next year. Why not use next year's first, just never make a first round pick again, use next year's first round pick and and go make a deal to bring a guy in. So that's why I think 
I think it's unlimited the the names that if we really thought about it that they could go get because you just never know who might become available. Yeah, you do never know. And sometimes a guy needs a change of scenery. And that was the case with Amari Cooper. You know, they did not want to pay him. You know, Jerry Jones did not want to pay him that big money anymore. And that proved to be the Browns' good fortune. That was just a really, really good deal for them. So you have to find uh, a situation like that where a guy needs a change of scenery. A really, really good receiver just needs perhaps a new home. So these are some things to watch out for. Um, and I have to say that I really do think that that is one of, one of Andrew Barry's strengths is going out and finding those kinds of deals, finding those kinds of situations. Now, in the case of Elijah Moore, it hasn't worked out yet the way that they hoped that it will. But I don't think they've given up on it really working out yet better than it has because I still think uh, that they view him as a, a perfect match for Deshaun Watson. And I think that, you know, they believe that once Deshaun gets up and running and really gets some consistency going in the offense, that Elijah Moore is going to pop and be able to do all the things that they believe he can do. Okay, let's. Uh, we did get a restructure question. I think we, um, I think we answered it. But just real quickly, Mavro and Cbus, um, just asking: Do you see restructuring of contracts coming in the next month to set up free agency in the draft? And who are the targets to be restructured? We mentioned some of those, but uh, you know, obviously, we're going to start to see these things. I don't know if we'll see it happen before the combine. If I remember right, a lot of it with this team kind of happened after the combine, but it's got to happen, you know, before that legal tampering period opens and, and you start to go into negotiations with these guys. So um, I don't know when, but we are going to see again, like we did last year, a whole bunch of restructuring on, on this roster. Yeah. And in a lot of cases, these are bookkeeping moves and they don't really impact the production, the performance, the roster, the changes, uh, the dynamics of a room. What they do impact uh, is your bottom line, your salary cap, for that particular season. So, you know, when you, when you start to see these restructures, you know, you don't really necessarily have to worry too much about them. It just means we just gave a guy a big chunk of money up front in terms of a, a roster bonus and um, tacked on a couple of void years to stretch it out and uh, lowered our cap number, lowered our, you know, his cap number for this year. And there are probably four or five guys in that category. Yeah, it's, it's it's a win-win for everybody. It's basically taking money that you're going to earn down the road and just writing a big check and giving it to you now um, or, you know, in a couple of installments, whatever it is. And this is what, when you have a super rich owner, this is what you can do. Not every team can do this, but when you have owners who are just willing to write checks, you the cap you can make the cap as fake as you want it to be <laughs> in a lot of ways. Um, they, they can get very, very creative. It all comes down to, to kind of having owners that, that are willing to do that, which uh, D and Jimmy certainly are. Okay, we're going to take a break, and then we'll come back with some more Hey Mary Kay questions. And welcome back to the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Dan Lobby, Mary Kay Cabot. Hey Mary Kay edition of the podcast here on a Tuesday. Dan from Moreland Hills is thinking ahead. The strength of schedule analyses are out, he says, and the Browns have the toughest projected schedule next year. So the question, hey Mary Kay, time to throw our hands up in despair and await the inevitable regression. Or are these metrics inaccurate at this time of year because other top teams will regress too through free agency and coaching changes? And I did fact check Dan 
he's right. The Browns right now have the toughest strength of schedule um, as far as winning percentage. So, and we've talked about that a little bit. That schedule is going to be tough next year. Does it matter? Should we be worried about that right now? Well, it is a little bit wor- uh, early to worry about that uh, because you never know how, how that's all necessarily going to shake out. Um, and that is not always necessarily the best indication of strength of schedule. There are different ways of going about it, right? I mean, there, you know, Warren Sharp comes up with a whole different set of criteria for strength of schedule besides the one loss percentage from the, the previous year. So, you know, quarterbacks change, coaches change, quarterbacks come back, some leave. Uh, so it's not, you know, the, the, the always the best indication of how tough your schedule is going to be next year. But I will say this, the Browns have not had to play a second place schedule. I mean, when's the last time they had to play a second place schedule, right? So the, the last time they finished above third in the division was 2007. <laughs> so, <it's laughs> Before this long, year. Yeah, it's been a long, long time uh, since they have been up there in that stratosphere when you are where you are playing. Uh, the better teams in the NFL. And it makes a difference. It makes a huge, huge difference in um, in how things go that following season. They're going to be playing much better quarterbacks than they did this year. And, you know, they're going to be playing better teams than they did this year in many cases. And it is going to be harder. And I, you know what? I mean, I, I thought about that a lot this year because, you know, I've said it over and over and over. I mean, you know, it's not every year that you're going to get to face, um, you know, Jake Browning and Clayton Toon and Trevor Simeon and, uh, you know, Joe Burrow coming off of a calf injury and catching him when he really wasn't even ready to play yet. I mean, if they have to play a healthy Joe Burrow twice next year, right? Uh, If they have to do that, you know, that right there, that's going to be very challenging. And then you add in all of the other um, good quarterbacks that they have to play, and they're going to have to step up their game. They're going to have to step up their game, and that number one defense is is really going to have to turn up the volume on the boombox, okay? They're going to have to turn up the volume on the boombox and, and really step it up and prove that they are the number one defense in the NFL uh, to match the ranking that they had most of this season and at the end of this season, because it's not going to get any easier. It's just not going to get any easier. Rattle off some of the quarterbacks that they're facing next year, Dan. I'm, I'm glad you said that because I have the schedule up here uh, right now. And by the way, this is just a quick aside. I think they need to come up with a new gimmick on defense because it's, I saw that ESPN did a big feature on the 49ers boom box. Yeah. And it's so I feel like now, okay, you kind of stole that from the 49ers and now you just have to put it away. But that's a, that's yeah. another podcast. Um, right. Okay. So obviously we know Lamar. Uh, we know Joe Burrow. They have to face each of them twice. Uh, we'll see what Pittsburgh ends up doing at, at quarterback. They just hired Arthur Smith as their coordinator. Patrick Mahomes, Justin Herbert, Dak Prescott. Um, we don't necessarily know who Denver's quarterback is going to be. Uh, we don't know who the Raiders will have at quarterback. Uh, Jalen Hurts. Tua, Trevor Lawrence, who I like, I know he struggled to end the season this year, but I still think he's a good quarterback and that 
Some of that might be based on timing when you play them. And then they also play at the Saints, uh, and that's Derek Carr, who also struggled this year. But, you know, you never know. We don't know who Washington's quarterback is going to be. They they could have a, a rookie. They could have like a Drake May or a Caleb Williams, or depending on how the, how the draft order shakes out. So it's a much more difficult quarterback schedule. And I think that's always the first place to start when you look at strength of schedule. Um, you know, some people use win-loss record from last year. I think that's a little unreliable. Like you mentioned, Warren Sharp, I think he uses Vegas win totals um, to figure his out. I, I think you should just always start with who are you, who are you playing at quarterback? Mm-hmm. Like that's yeah. always the starting point. Yes, absolutely. And not, not only that, not only do you have to look this year at who you're playing at quarterback, but now who is coaching some of that, those quarterbacks this year, right? Um, because now uh, you have got Kellen Moore, the excellent offensive coordinator formerly of the Chargers and the Cowboys, who is going to be working with Jalen Hurts in Philadelphia. And uh, with the Chargers, now you're going to have a very new big name char- uh, sheriff in town in Jim Harbaugh. And you know that, that they're going to get the best out of Justin Herbert and give him the weapons that he needs. Um, so, you know, there are going to be some upgrades. Now, when you look at the Bengals, they're going to be without Brian Callahan. So, you know, it can go both ways, right? I mean, they lost a really, really, really good coordinator in Brian Callahan. So they're going to need to make sure that they're on point. Um, but, you know, some of these quarterbacks – that need a little jolt or a little infusion of something are going to get them in 2024. So, you know, you might have, uh, you know, Jalen playing back up to that level where, you know, where he went, you know, whatever, 13 and three. I can't remember all the numbers right now, but, um, but, you know, you really might get some pretty darn incredible quarterback play from, from a couple of guys that, I mean, Justin Herbert finished the season hurt, you know, so he's going to come back probably strong from a broken finger. And, you know, you've got a lot of things like that going on, but I think it's just going to be, I think it's going to be a tough year. I really do. I don't think they can rest on their laurels in any way, shape or form. I think they need to go out and they need to add talent and they need to uh, put their, you know, put the pedal to the metal and just keep going hard at this thing. Yeah. And, you know, like what if the Giants or the Broncos or one of these teams goes out and makes a trade for Kirk Cousins or something like that? Right. Like one of these, you know, suddenly that a quarterback situation that maybe you looked at and said, well, maybe that's not as difficult now becomes a little more difficult. So the good news for the Browns is the rest of the division has to play some of these teams, too. Right. So the rest of the division has to play the West and the rest of the division has to play the NFC East. So at least you got that going for you. So it's going to be tough on them too, but I, the Browns, the Browns definitely could be a regression candidate, but that's why we go back to what we talked about right off the top. You're, you're remaking your entire offensive staff. And so, and, and you're going to make big change. You're going to make changes to your personnel this off season. Andrew Barry's always said it. He doesn't look at one season as a continuation of another. So Mm -hmm. this team will look different next year and you're getting Deshaun Watson back and hoping he looks more like he did against Baltimore in that second game. So this team will look different. And so it's a good thing that they're not kind of just sitting on their laurels and saying, Hey, we went 11 and six last year and made the playoffs. Let's go. You know, they're, they're going to be aggressive. Um, Okay. Uh, Next question here. This is from Tom in Middlebury, Connecticut. Hey, Mary Kay, 
what Browns positions of need can be strengthened quickly from the draft and which are better off going to the free agent market? And this speaks a little bit to Andrew Berry's philosophy too. He kind of likes to have most of his needs filled before he goes to the draft, especially in years like this when he doesn't have a first round pick. So I don't know that they're going to be going into the draft necessarily saying we need this right away. So we're going to use a third round pick to fill that need. Yeah, especially when you don't have the first round pick. I mean, you can take your first round pick and plug him in right away and make sure that that guy is going to be a starter. But when you're starting in the second round or or later, you can't necessarily count on that. So I think that uh, you really will try to be filling those sort of starting roles in free agency and trades. And I think there are some positions that lend themselves better to that sort of thing. One of those is that second or third edge. Now, I, I would expect that they're going to bring back Z. They, they really liked Z, and I think that they will bring him back, Zadarius Smith. Uh, but I've said so many times, I still think they need a, a double-digit sacker or somebody else that can wreak uh, even a little bit more havoc there. Uh, maybe they feel like Alex Wright is ready to step up and do more. Uh, you know, he did have a sack in like four straight games or something like that, I think it was. But, um, you know, I think that's a position where it's almost easier to go out and buy one of those guys than it is to try to see if you can find a, a really good pass rusher in the draft. Because sometimes it takes time to develop those guys unless you are, you know, drafting Miles Garrett number one overall. Um, so that's a spot. And then receiver is another spot. You know, in the draft, it takes a while. It takes a while unless you're getting the, you know, top half of the first round out of the SEC. You know, you know those guys are going to come in and they're going to play well for you right away. But short of that, uh, if you're drafting someone in the third round or beyond, you know, chances are they're not going to be able to start for you right away. We've seen that plenty of times um, on this football team. So um, I think that is another position that they should look at in free agency or a trade. And we've mentioned some of those names before. T. Higgins. Uh, Calvin Ridley, Mike Evans, Marquise Brown is out there. Uh, so there's a number of guys there. And then backup quarterback, uh, I'm, you know, Dan, you posted my little rant uh, on Joe Flacco the other day on, um, on Instagram and on our Orange and Brown talk uh, social media. And I do think that you need to have a guy like that. And I actually think that Joe would be the guy that you would want because you know that he's going to win for you. I mean, he went four and one. He is going to win games for you. Um, so, you know, I think he's a sure thing. And I would probably do that. But, you know, short of that, because he might have other opportunities, look at a Jacoby Brissett. Look at a Joshua Dobbs. Look at somebody else in that category. I mean, even look, Gardner Minshew was able to step in and get the Colts to the playoffs. And that's what you need. Because you just don't know what's going to happen at backup quarterback. Uh, you don't know what's going to happen with Deshaun Watson coming off of a shoulder surgery. You just don't know. So um, so that is definitely a spot I would be looking at. And, you know, maybe running back too, although I think it's much easier to draft a running back, you know, than it is some of these other positions. It's easier to find a running back in the draft, even in the later rounds of the draft. So that one, you know, I don't think you need to go out and break the bank for. Uh, but those are all some things that I would be looking at. Yeah, the the backup quarterback thing is going to be 
you could tell that there was a little here just hearing Andrew talk a couple Mondays ago, you could tell there was a little bit of a sense of urgency there. You know, he called it a top 30 position on the roster. And I think they know they kind of aired last year by just deciding that DTR was ready to be the backup when that obviously wasn't the case. And I don't think they're going to, they're going to, as much as they might like DTR, I don't think they're going to just say, all right, you're the backup again this year. I think they're willing to let him continue developing in that number three spot. And I don't know. I'm really curious to see what kind of bites Flacco gets out there because he did win games, but he also did turn the ball over a lot. The most recent game people saw from him wasn't great. So I'm curious. I don't, I do wonder if there's going to be any like real starting opportunities out out there for him. There could be. I wouldn't rule anything out, but it'll be interesting to to see how that how his market develops. It really will be um, because you know when you think about it, everybody had all those years of film on him, and nobody picked up that phone and called him, and they didn't even pick up the phone when their starting quarterbacks went down. I mean, they were scraping the bottom of the barrel in some cases, and nobody was calling. So if it was that hard to find anything last year. Sometimes teams just have a bias like that, and it can still be difficult. The league is just funny that way. There's a groupthink thing that sometimes goes on. I think it's another reason why a guy like Jim Schwartz didn't get phone calls for, um, you know, for a, a court for a head coaching job because you know the vibe is more towards you know younger guys, offensive guys. Uh, you know, if you get a little reputation out there, uh, sometimes it can be difficult to find the job that you deserve. And I do think that Joe deserves some kind of an opportunity to at least battle for a starting job, compete with somebody for a starting job. I mean, can you imagine him going into, you know, Washington and competing with Sam? You know what I mean? Like somebody needs to give him a chance to, to at least try. Uh, Will he get it? I don't know. If he doesn't, then he's got to come back here because, you know, this town would welcome him with open arms. I think this team would welcome him with open arms. And I think he could really come in handy again next year, possibly. Yeah. And I I mean, if I'm, if I got a young quarterback, I want Joe Flacco in that room with him. So even if it's just, Hey, we need you to come in and bridge us a little bit. um, Yeah. You know, I, I would want Joe Flacco in that room with him. So we'll, we'll see. It'll, it'll be an interesting market. He's certainly making the, uh, the media rounds here after his, uh, after his season. So he's trying to keep his name out there. Um, all right, that'll do it for this edition of the Orange or Brown Talk podcast. All those questions from our football insider subscribers, uh, cleveland.com slash Browns the Blue Banner at the top of the page for that. Uh, Mary Kay mentioned our Instagram, search Orange and Brown Talk there on YouTube. You can search Cleveland Browns on cleveland.com to find us. And of course, just subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen, uh, Apple Podcasts or Spotify, and leave us some reviews if you can. Say, say nice things about us and leave us five-star reviews over on Apple Podcasts. Uh, Mary Kay, I'll talk to you later. Sounds great. 